0: This is the Dissing My Ability podcast. I am your host, Ken Meeker, certified professional coach and owner of Vitality Career Coaching. I am pleased to introduce my guest this week, Stephen Beard, who is a realtor out in California. And he is bringing something to this show that I'm very excited to engage in a conversation about. Without further ado, welcome, Stephen Beard. Well, thank you. It's a delight to be able to talk to you, Ken. Likewise. If you're comfortable disclosing a little bit about yourself, how your personal journey with disability brought you to where you are today, and how it might affect your day-to-day living, of course, whatever you disclose is up to you, but uh, just so people out there listening kind of have an understanding of what you encounter and what your lived experiences is is with disability on a day-to-day experience.
1: Sure, of course. So I am... A person with uh, cerebral palsy and it impacts my walking um, balance uh, primarily. I don't, I walk with a pronounced gait. And this has been my reality my whole life. And when I decided to start to get into real estate about about 18 and a half years ago, (laughs) I wanted to be the real estate agent for people with disabilities in my area. And so that became my niche, my specialty. And over the years, I've learned that when I originally started, I was I was naive about it. I was not a disability advocate at that time. I didn't know uh, a lot about different types of disabilities, except at a very, very high level. And so I've learned that everybody's circumstances are unique. And sometimes uh, some of my best clients over the years have people who did not manifest a physical challenge. Uh, in their day to day or in their housing needs, so it's been a great joy for me to work with the com- the community of people that I've come to know and serve over all these years, and to really embrace a part of me that had been really suppressed earlier in my life. Really begin to make a difference, I think, in 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 helping people to look at the ultimate and in independent living. Um, I do a lot of work in the uh, disability advocacy in the IDD community, uh, intellectual and developmental disabilities mm-hmm. communities, and many of the folks who are, have housing needs in that community have neither the financial means nor the adequate supports to live as independently as they would like. And so, I have a solution as a as a realtor who is providing a customized service to them. And uh I am now, you know, through all my advocacy connected with all kinds of advocates offering all kinds of housing uh options. Um and thus I can be more helpful. Uh even more helpful than before. So yeah, that's, that's what I do.
0: Which is I think is absolutely incredible and the challenges that uh we can face, you know, in our in trying to find adequate and appropriate and accessible housing when we live with a disability, it's uh Something so incredibly important, you know, as as you and I have discussed, you know, I mentioned earlier, I had an aunt growing up who was in a wheelchair her whole life, and they always had to customize their homes just so she could get, you know, to the bathroom and through the doors and all of that kind of stuff, and it's one of those things that most people don't think of unless it's an experience that they have to go through, you know, is this something that's accessible for, for anybody, for somebody in a wheelchair, for all, all different types of things, and so what you're doing is critically important, I think. 18 years ago, it is, I think is what you said, how long you've been uh, doing real estate. Why real estate?
1: So I kind of fell into real estate. I had been working in other professions. I had done a, a stint in um, software customer service. And, and, and I did, I, I was a journalist for a while, a radio journalist for a while. And I had been a Project manager. Um, but due to a variety of circumstances, I needed to make a change. And I had a brother in law who was a real estate agent, and he suggested I consider getting my real estate license. And I was kind of hesitant at first because of the res- perception I had of real estate agents <laughs> and this idea of not wanting to become salesy, not wanting to become one of these types of high pressure per people. And yeah. it was a very pleasant uh, realization uh, that I came to that I would be able to do this work with integrity. I would be able to do this work in a way that I wasn't constantly pushing people to do what I wanted them to do, but helping them to make good decisions about where they wanted to live and what they wanted to do with their lives. And so that's why it's been incredible, re- incredibly rewarding. I've never done any line of work more longer than this. And, I love it because of that. I love it because of the hours. So I control my time more than I ever did when I was working for someone else, obviously. And I get to make a difference in my own way, uh, as I talked about before. You yeah. know, um, There's a joy you get when you help someone buy a home who never thought they ever would be able to afford to buy a home or find something that would work for them and their family. Um, and you give them the keys. I mean, that's very special.
0: Yeah. I can imagine that that's a, that moment is incredibly rewarding, like somebody else being able to experience that, oh, I i, I don't have to live like that. And, and so and one thing you mentioned is you were naive at first about about disability and yeah it, within real estate. Uh, can you elaborate on, on what you mean by that?
1: Yeah, when I started in real estate, I with my initial advertising material, my initial promotional material, talked about helping people who had physical challenges. Um, but I uh, quickly pivoted and learned that I could help folks who had cognitive challenges. I could have folks who had invisible disabilities. Um, I could make a difference for the, quote, unquote, differently abled as effectively as I could help someone who was using a wheelchair. And so... That's what I meant by that. I didn't. I didn't realize how broad a community. I did not realize that nearly twenty percent of Americans identify as having a disability. Yeah. Uh, I had no idea the numbers were that high um, when I started, and that's what I meant. It's been a great joy, for example, to help someone on the autism spectrum, high end functioning, uh, uh, aut- autistic to buy a, a condo, perhaps with the help of family, but to actually have their own place that they own, that they own, even though they themselves don't have any sort of physical restriction on their movement, right? Yeah,
0: so, yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: Because yeah, it, it's helped a big folks with, Yeah, <laughs> I've helped folks with MCS, multiple chemical sensitivity. Uh, I've certainly helped my share of folks who are blind or visually impaired. I've helped my share of folks who are uh, deaf, and uh, hard of hearing. So it's a broad, broad spectrum. And, you know, one of the things that uh, I did want to mention is that in the last two years, almost two years, I've been uh, able to give back in another way. Uh, So what I've been doing, uh, my passion project really over the past year and a half is a podcast of my own that I do, uh, which is all about accessibility and housing. And that's allowed me to be such a better real estate agent because now I'm meeting people all over the country, not just in my area, who have something to say about housing and a disability uh, or accessibility. And it's been amazing what I've learned about, you know, some of the big trends going on right now in how do we adequately house people who are differently abled. Yeah. It's
0: yeah, great. it's a great podcast I, i've listened to it i thank subscribe you. to it um hopefully to be able to be able to get on there as a guest uh one of these days and uh, bring something Absolute to the table can. We'll but do that. it you okay. know th- then glad so so glad you mentioned it because it's it is a phenomenal podcast um wow. and and it, it's very broad <laughs> well and it's broad and it's in its appeal it thank you it's not pigeonholed towards any like well if that if you're only somebody that's living with a disability it it's not just for those people it's for anybody that knows anybody that has a disability and just helps them similar to like what I'm trying to do with this podcast open up the world to like this is what other people's lived experiences is and this is what some people have to go through on it just to make it through life and it creates that awareness that you know what accessible housing matters (laughs) it really does matter
1: (laughs) um you know there is a lot of improvement that we've seen in the past 20 years uh, around thinking about access in in building housing, especially government money, where government money is involved. Um, but we have a long way to go. We have a long way to go um, in terms of educating people um, about some of the things to think about. Like I did a show about three months ago, maybe longer, where I talked to a climate change researcher who shared all kinds of stories about how housing for people with uh, disabilities or uh, differently-abled people is really going to be impacted in its own unique way, and in some ways worse than the general public, when it comes to climate change. And I just thought that was a really interesting thought, because we think about climate change affecting people's ability to live on coastal yeah. lowlands, right? But how many people have thought about how climate change impacts people, the housing of people with disabilities? Yeah. So that was, that's the kind of, uh, I I love doing stories that, you know, sort of take a new angle. I like to call my show the intersection of accessibility and housing. Yeah. Um, So I try to get a very broad perspective. So I appreciate that you noticed that.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Because I think it's really important because, you know, I've had this conversation with a lot of people in terms of uh, disability and inclusion, the disability aspect of it when it comes to diversity, unfortunately, sometimes is an afterthought. You know, in order yes. for something to be really inclusive, uh, when it as it applies to people living with this, you know, with disability, it it can't be an afterthought. In order to truly create inclusion and 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 true access, it has to be something that is thought of at the initial design phase, at the engineering phase, when something is being first developed. In order for it to truly be accessible, for it truly to be inclusive, it has to it has to be something that's built into the design. And I'm glad that you know having that conversation with a you know a climate change scientist it it creates that awareness that accessible housing for people that are differently abled can't be an afterthought. It needs to be something that goes into the initial phases of something because that's what truly makes it something that where everybody's thought about <laughs> and, you
1: know, you're absolutely right, Ken, and you know i I've had the opportunity to speak to some architects and developers who are very in tune with this idea. It of course is not universal, but there's a a movement towards universal design standards in architecture and in design uh, that would make the thinking at the outset of projects, housing projects of all types, Be more akin to the way we now think about green standards for housing Mm -hmm. uh, and make it much more part of the initial thinking, and that will lead to better outcomes across the board regardless of the modality of the housing. So,
0: yeah,
1: uh, this is you're absolutely right. And if I, with this podcast, can just make a few more connections, I I really just it's not making any money from the podcast. It's just a fun sort of a, a fun project and a passion project. It is something. But one of the reasons I started is so that I could connect people. And one of the greatest joys I've had since I started the podcast is hearing about or facilitating the connection of individuals from different parts of the country uh, who are working on things where they can collaborate and end up with a one plus one equals three sort of scenario, that is so, that's kind of joyous to me too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is, I mean, you you know, uh, not all rewards are financial. You know, I tell people that all the time. Not not everything has to be about making a buck. You know, the the universe doesn't care about how much money you have.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're absolutely
0: right. It doesn't care, you know. We we have to look out for each other, otherwise, we're never going to get anywhere. I and mean, so, with regard to um, like I live in Phoenix, Arizona, which is crazy, crazy hot. And so, some of the you know, there's regional demands on accessibility. You're in California, you know, there's regional demands there. And being in California is also crazy expensive. What are some of the current challenges, like with today's housing market, which is just insane? That you're encountering with people that they're facing that are the sort of the greatest challenges with access to housing right now So
1: i would preface my answer i work in a very built-up part of the bay area of california um uh, it's a very urbanized um it's very uh it's an older housing stock much of the housing stock here is a hundred years old or more Um, There isn't a lot of new land to build on or to build housing on. And when they do, they tend to build up uh, multi-unit condos or multi-unit apartments. So what I'm about to say may not be relevant for someone living in, in, in the Midwest or in a rural area or something like that. So, of course, with that said, the biggest challenge still remains affordability. Um, now, back in the first re- in the recession, I worked through the uh, 2008, 9, 10, 11 recession. And during that time, the affordability uh, crisis got lightened up because prices fell a lot. And there were lots of programs um, to help buyers with down payment. But from about 2013 until this year, there really hasn't been much for buyers to turn to, to be able to write competitive offers and get them accepted by sellers in the purchase market uh, to help with affordability. That's changing. And federal and state money is being made available for down payment assistance and uh, other programs to help buyers with affordability, including buyers with disabilities, self-identified or authenticated The Bay Area where I work still is one of the most expensive places to live in the country, despite the market softening a little bit uh, in the fall of 2022, which is where we're at. But despite that, affordability is the number one problem. The second problem, close behind but not as big, is the lack of adequate, accessible resale housing stock. Because as I said, they're not building a ton of new housing Um, And so if you want a single family home where I am, maybe one in a hundred homes will have been modified to some degree to support someone with a physical limitation. But we still have a market dominated by older homes with poor design, inadequate hallway width, inadequate open space. Inadequate doorway widths. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. I saw a house once where the bathroom was huge, but the door to get in it was only 27 inches. It's like.
0: Um, I believe it. So we, I totally believe it. Um,
1: so so that's the second uh, I would say the second biggest problem is that we just don't have housing stock. So what that means is the buyers need to find money to find a home that they can modify and then find have the money to modify it. And some of the uh, local municipalities and uh, agencies around here offer grants and loan programs to help finance such things. But such programs are income limited. And so they quickly become unusable by the vast majority of clients that I serve who have enough money to qualify for a mortgage loan but don't have enough money to qualify for the $30,000 in assistance they would get from the state or the local city to do say a ramp at the front of the house whatever it is yeah so yeah. so that's a problem
0: yeah right? that's um, i that's i think that's you know and i uh it's probably more important you know c- certain aspects of it are pr- probably more pronounced in the bay area just because of the age of the communities but i think it's pretty universal especially with, with regard to cost i know here in the phoenix area it's gotten crazy with you know prices and oh, rents yeah. and everything and it, it just exacerbates it, you know, for people that have uh, that are in the lower end, lower end of the income scale, because yeah. it's like, yeah. how do you access things when prices are just astronomical? Even if it, even with rents. Um, so, what are some of the? How do you help with those challenges when somebody's like, I have enough, you know, I have enough for a down payment on a house. They're a first time, let's say they're a first time homebuyer. I'll give you a scenario. Let's say they're a first time homebuyer. They have enough for a down payment and they qualify for whatever the, you know, median housing prices there in, in the Bay Area, but they're having difficulty finding like a, a house that suits their needs based on, you know, what their income and what they qualify for. How do you sort of navigate that? So
1: because I work mostly in the resale world, um, the housing stock is what the housing stock is. Yeah. So I will help the client to uh, isolate and find properties that meet their basic criteria, and then help them to evaluate the home's accessibility for their unique accessibility needs. No two clients I've ever had have had the same accessibility needs, even oh, if yeah. it, it would appear visually that they do. It's certainly not true. Yeah. So, they, so having done some sort of a needs assessment with them to determine how they're going to use the space they live in from an accessibility perspective, um, I then uh, am helping them to find properties that are close enough that we can find a way to make it work uh, or find a, a resource to, to get them over the finish line if they can't find exactly what they want. And, you know, in some cases, they can't afford to do it. So they have to look at living somewhere else or continuing to rent, right? Yeah. So, um, So it's not always going to work out. But we that's what we work towards so we will work with our lender partners around the financing piece we will work with we will work with the uh, buyer to 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 make sure that we're able to help them to reevaluate these properties for some of our clients we'll preview the homes for them before they go to see them yeah. to to verify their accessibility because transportation can be a real challenge for someone who is significantly uh mobility challenged um getting paratransit uh, or another way of getting to and from places. I've had clients before who were non-ambulatory. And so to transfer, to show them a house that could work, save for a couple of front porch steps, required assistance who could actually lift them out of the wheelchair and allow them to access the main level and then help them get back in the wheelchair. I've actually had clients like that. Yeah, I sold a home several years ago where I had a, a lady who used uh, uses a wheelchair and she dragged her, she is a very lives very independently. She's a younger lady and she's very independent and she would actually exit her wheelchair and sort of drag herself up the stairs. She had cerebral palsy um, has um, drag herself up the stairs and then crawl around the house on the inside. And that would work,
0: that worked for her to evaluate the property. Yeah. I mean, it's so really what it is, is really meeting the clients where they are Exactly. instead of just like, which is, which is so important. And I wish more, more people, you know, thought about that, that, you know, access is more than just being able to navigate, but getting, just getting to and getting upstairs and stuff like that. That's, that is part of access. It's, it's so much broader than most, a lot of people think. And I'm, you know thank yeah. you for so thinking that, of it from a 360 point of view you know like how do they get there all of that matters yeah uh, and, and it's so important
1: and how are they going to live in the community after they move there yeah. how accessible are the sidewalks the roadways access to amenities that they need access to services that they are used to getting in their apartment or where where they live at home with their family um you know it it's a the community supports very dramatically by neighborhood and by individual circumstance and individual need, right? So yeah. one of the things that I want to look at is if I have someone who is a, um, who is a, who is receiving a certain series of services, uh, in their home, maybe supported housing services or in home support of some nature, how are they going to continue to obtain those things in the new environment? Um, and what are the possibilities for how that will look? And, uh, you know, most of them appreciate my sensitivity to this because your typical real estate agent, and I, I'm not trying to be, I want to be clear here, real estate agents, I know a lot of amazing real estate agents, but they, most of them, 95% of them do not really know about the care system, whatever it is in their state, and how people are living in their homes and yeah. might not know to write, ask the right questions around how you're going to use the space you're going to move to from an accessibility and a livability point of view as a person who is differently abled
0: right yeah I think that's very I think that you know that's not a knock towards anybody it's it's just a, an accurate statement it's one of those things where you don't know what you don't know <laughs> and you know uh, that's very true uh, you know uh, yours and my our lived experience is you know we've had to learn to understand certain things that people that don't have a disability; they they won't have to understand because they don't experience it, and so it's not that I, you know i a, a big proponent. It's not that people don't care; it's just they don't they don't know. And exactly. so, uh, yeah,
1: I always admire other real estate agents who who reach out to me and ask me how some things they should be thinking about to serve their clients. Um, it happens from time to time because I've established this unique niche. Some other agents have learned about it, and they will often turn to me to help their clients. Yeah. I
0: I think what you're doing is it's so important, you know, creating awareness is one of the best ways I think to, you know, to create advocacy is people don't know what they don't know. And until they know they can't be a, you know, an ally, they can't help to advocate and create more, better access for all of us, uh, because we all benefit from greater accessibility Yeah, we're all eventually going to get older. And a lot of the things that, you know, elderly people need in terms of accessibility for their homes are things that also help people that are living with disabilities. You know, like hold bars and hold bars in a shower. As as somebody with a visual impairment, it's critical, important for me just to figure out where I am in the shower.
1: (laughs) It just seems like common sense, doesn't it?
0: It does. It does. But common sense is neither common nor sense, I've I've learned. (laughs) (laughs) You're absolutely right. And so so I want to circle back to one last thing that... uh, Uh, I wanted to touch on and it's something that you what you put is accepting ourselves and our limitations is important and that you've learned that it's okay to ask for help and those those two sentences I think are critical uh, for just in life in general but especially important if you are somebody who's living with a disability that asking for help is a strength it's not a weakness and the more we can get comfortable asking for help when we need it and knowing who to ask for help that can help us is we all have limitations in life, right? You know, I'm never going to be a basketball star and it has nothing to do with my sight. It's just mm-hmm. something I'm never going to be able to do. And that's, we all have limitations and we all have to ask for help. And so I thank you for you know pointing that out because I think that that's critically important. So uh, I'm hoping you can elaborate on, you know, how, it what kind of made you step into that space where asking for help is, A good thing not a bad thing
1: i've come to learn as i've gotten a little bit older that many 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 people uh, clutch their independent independence your physical independence in this reality (laughs) in this world like a pearl and it is extremely damaging to the ego if i may use freudian terms here sure um it's extremely damaging to our sense of self when we begin to see that independent ability go away so for those of us who see that happening to ourselves we have to kind of get over ourselves yeah and take the ego out of the picture and be a little bit humble and and not feel that it is somehow Demeaning or lessens ourselves to ask for help, and I have to admit it's been a hard lesson for me to learn as my mobility has decreased, um, and I'm still walking, <laughs> and I, I hope that I am still uh, that I'm able to enhance this new this perspective uh, if my if my limitations uh, physically limitations go uh, get more pronounced, but um, I think that the reason, the, the the power is in avoiding the ego play and yeah. being able to look at our needs from a practical perspective. And there's no shame in it. Yeah. And I think that's another aspect of it. There's there's a kind of an embarrassment when you can't take care of yourself if you're used to have always being able to mm-hmm. take care of yourself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so there's a certain group of people with, uh, disabling conditions or limiting conditions, who have had them for their whole lives, so they might not have the same emotions as someone who has always had some ability and now doesn't have it anymore, or it's not working as well as it did. Yeah, and they we see this in all step. aspects of life, right? Not yeah. just in terms of people losing uh, ability, but you know, people get embarrassed that they have to put on their 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 new glasses to see distance versus mm-hmm. seeing local. Mm-hmm. Like it's not its not specifically tied to the quote-unquote disability world. We all feel that way, uh, or many of us feel that way when we can't do things we used to do before, you know? Yes. <laughs> Thank and you I for think pointing that, that out. Yeah, but it's not, it, it there's no shame because it's just being human. Mm-hmm. Quite all right to to have a human experience, right?
0: Absolutely. It doesn't
1: make you lesser or greater, it just is. Yeah, And your self-worth and ego should not be tied to whether or not you can bend down and tie your shoelaces or whether or not you have to wear special glasses or whether or not you need a hearing aid or whether or not you uh, need to use a cane or a walker or a wheelchair or any of those things. Um, it should be intrinsic to the other gifts and values that you bring. And yes. we all have gifts and values we bring, even if we don't think so. Uh, that have nothing to do with how we manifest physically in this space.
0: So that's why. That was awesome. <laughs> that was fabulous. Uh, so I think that is the perfect place to end it is on that note, because you summed that up so eloquently and so accurately. Thank you. I could not, I could not uh, definitely add anything to that because you summarized that. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, where can people find you if they want to reach out to you or learn more about your podcast, learn more about you, or if somebody has a housing question or where can people find you?
1: So people can find me at, uh, at a number of places, just Google my name, Stephen Beard, uh, Realtor or, uh, or real estate agent, um, California, you'll find me that way. You can also find me via my podcast, accessible housing matters. Uh, we have a web page. I have a Google page. I have a Facebook page. I have a LinkedIn uh identity there, and so uh, uh, you can easily get my email address. You can always email me directly too, Stephen at accessiblehousingmatters.com.
0: dot com. And I'll and have they links can to that down. Below, uh, reach out so to and- you,
1: Ken. Yep. If they reach out to you, you can send them my way too. That too, yeah. And there'll be links. There'll be
0: links uh, in the description of the podcast. So if people need to find them, they, they can find them there as well. There, there'll be some links just so they can find you and your podcast, which is awesome. It thank really you. is. Take a listen to that as well. Um, so I want to thank you so much, Stephen, for coming on and being a guest and talking about oh. some very, very, very important topics about housing. Some stuff that I don't think enough people think about. I never had really thought about it in a broader sense until I first talked to you. And so, you know, thank thank you for broadening my own mind. Um. Well, (laughs) thank you
1: so much for having me as a guest and thank you for doing your podcast. I think the more we talk about some of these issues, which are difficult, um, the more we educate each other and educate the, the audiences and help all of us to improve.
0: So thank you for doing your podcast and allowing me to be a guest on it. My pleasure. My pleasure. Uh, This has been the Disabling My Ability podcast. I am your host, Ken Meeker. And each week I have a new guest that I bring on where we discuss living with a disability, trying to get rid of the shame and stigma that is associated with living with a disability. And I hope you all subscribe and tune in each week. Thank you so much.